Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of The Five Count here on Wrestling and More, the show where we count things down, all things wrestling. I am joined once again by Garth Jackson. How are you, my friend? Brilliant, thanks. How are you? Yeah, not too bad at all, not too bad at all. An interesting week in the world of wrestling, I think it's fair to say. We've been away for a while, but we've chosen a fantastic topic, a very relevant topic to count down today. What we're going to count down, ladies and gentlemen, is we're going to count down debuts. Okay, These can be the most impactful, the most hilarious, or things that have continued a legacy or have started a legacy. You will see that this is a mix of our favourites and things like that, especially number 10. Okay, these are not to be taken as before. You've just remembered all number 10, haven't you? <laughs> um, these are not to be taken similar to our favourite wrestlers. These are not to be taken as a greatest of all time list. Again, need I mention Bray Wyatt? So do not take it as such. Do not go into the comments and say, what about such and such? Because they're not on the list. Because this is just our list. Because we enjoy doing it. So, Garth, are you ready to start? I am. Okay. What we've done is we've, I chose five, Garth chose five, and we amalgamated them into a list of ten of the of our favourite debuts. And we're going straight in at number ten with the Shockmaster. <laughs> what? <laughs> and straight away. That video. Say again. Just can't get enough of that video. That. That. Just... Oh, it's. It's one of those videos where you can see a career die, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I feel... I mean, Ottman is an absolute champ for yeah. trying to oh, rescue God, yeah. that. I mean, but... even if he had even if he had pulled it off, it's ridiculous. It's a Stormtrooper helmet painted silver. <laughs> it was. But what makes me laugh is Ottman did an interview after... We will get into this entry in a minute, but he did an interview um, not long after... Because didn't he? Ch- he was he was the shopmaster, mm-hmm. and then wasn't he the super shopmaster as well? Yeah, where, where they sort of turned it into a bit of a joke, didn't they? Yeah, wasn't he a builder or something? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which was just brilliant. <laughs> just, it must have been the quickest death of a character ever. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, what a way to kill a push! But obviously, he was in the WWF beforehand. Uh, this is in 1993. Um, as part of the Natural Disasters. Uh, he was rebranded from Tugboat into Typhoon. He left WWF to join WCW, Pastures New, and he was due to make his debut in a War Games match uh, as yeah. part of the fan-favourite team of Sting, Dustin Rhodes, and Davey Boy Smith against... Right, let's see if I can remember this now. It was the team of Sid Vicious, yep. uh, Kane and Cole, not WWF, yep. Kane, obviously, and Sid. No, no, Sid, Sid. Who's the other one? Vader. Fair. Vader. And uh, the way <laughs> the face team obviously only had three men, yeah. and on a flare for the gold, which was the Ric Flair version of Miz TV, which was ten times better, uh, in front of a live audience at Clash of Champions. Uh, the face and heel teams came together and oh god I've written this down in my notes Sting says all I have to say is our partner is going to shock the world because he is none other than Shockmaster to which before anything happened (laughs) the entire crowd went who? (laughs) because they were expecting you know Hogan yeah you know 
It could have been Flair himself. No, it's the Shockmaster. Shockmaster. <laughs> and the entire crowd <laughs> on this section just went, bloody hell is that? You could just hear, you could hear the sort of, huh? Like yeah. The, the, just ridiculous. It was brilliant. Oh, it was fantastic. And then one of the greatest <laughs> botches ever. The camera zooms to a wall, uh, which is obviously papered over, and this absolute monster <laughs> comes... <laughs> There's fireworks. <laughs> this monster crashes through the wall. Only the top part gives way. And it's Frank Hotman in this ridiculous, puffy, fle- feathery vest crashing through the wall because the bottom part doesn't give way. So he falls through the wall. He's wearing a Stormtrooper helmet. It's it's a Stormtrooper helmet. WCW have done nothing to attempt to mask the fact that it is a Stormtrooper no, helmet, no, apart from put some glitter on it. <laughs> <laughs> and he falls out of the wall, straight on his face. The helmet comes off. It's absolute chaos. <laughs> Otman <laughs> gets his bottom half through the wall, rams the helmet back on his head. Everyone in the segment is creasing up with laughter apart from you're gonna hear Ric Flair (laughs) he's just going oh god oh god what is it Vader who swears really loudly I think is it Vader or Sid but then but then Harlem Heat are standing there as well and they're just completely poker faced which is amazing it's the best bit of acting I've ever seen Booker T do and oh it's (laughs) <laughs> it's one of the most memorable debuts in wrestling history. You know, not for the character, certainly not just, for the legacy of the character. Just, oh. I mean, and Sid Vicious is doing his best. He's just going absolutely crazy. He's yeah. screaming at the top of his voice, shouting at him. And then, the, <laughs> I mean, to top it off, the actual Shockmaster's voice. Oh, yeah. It's played, it's like a dub but it's played live. So obviously he's trying to act out as if he's saying those words. But it's just, it's so hokey. It's so <laughs> it's so ridiculous, but it's just so good. <laughs> Do you know what? After, how long has it been since 93 now? We're looking at 24 years. 24 years, and it's still, I would argue, the funniest debut in the wrestling fact. history, it's it's one of the most memorable WC uh, WCW moments, without a shadow of a doubt. And that is including you know all the great stuff that WCW did before its decline. Mm-hmm. But there's it takes a lot to beat a man in a stormtrooper helmet. I just think falling I through. Love, <laughs> falling I would through love to have seen what happened backstage oh. after that. Can because you? In- I bet the likes of Flair were going ballistic. Yeah, but can you imagine being the person who constructed the wall? I mean, to explain to people why it didn't give way to a man who weighs 300 (laughs) pounds. Did you not think to gimmick the wall first? (laughs) (laughs) But he said, um, like I said, he did an interview shortly after this, Ottman, Frank Ottman, and um, he said, yeah, they gave me this helmet. They didn't put any eye holes in it. So he's (laughs) blindly putting his arms up against this wall, trying to find the soft spot. Obviously not really realising the bottom bit is not gimmicked to collapse. It's absolutely just... It's brilliant. It's... Absolutely brilliant. It's... Oh, 
it's incredible is what it is um so yeah starting strong in this in this episode of count out <laughs> uh, count out in this episode of the five count sorry um gimmick infringement now with steven larson um <laughs> but yeah absolutely fantastic absolutely fantastic but we shall move on to number nine and on to slightly more serious debuts. Number nine is Shinsuke Nakamura. Um, I believe it was you that chose Shinsuke Nakamura, Garth, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, would you like um, to explain why? Specifically, is is um, is SmackDown debut? Because okay. I know his um, his debut on NXT against um, Sami Zayn was like massive because it was his first proper entrance yeah and he had that amazing theme tune which i still think is possibly my favorite currently in the the whole of the wwe mm. um just such a great tune um but when he came to the smackdown he had the live um violin player um it was against the miz who was also dressed as john cena at the time oh yeah because they were doing that <laughs> skit um and his face was just so he was just looking as if to say, "Well, who's this clown?" Yeah. Um, while dressed as John Cena, <laughs> but um, I just just that you could just see the sort of the charisma just oozing out of uh, Nakamura. Yeah. Um, just and and then when the music kicks in and the crowd starts singing it, it was I, I remember watching it and getting goosebumps because it was so good. It was just, you could everyone was so into it. It was brilliant. Yeah. To be honest with it happening after Mania as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's such a special time to debut. Yeah. And Nakamura, I'm loath to say is at the moment because of how he's been booked on the main roster, but he was definitely one of the biggest names the WWE had signed in oh, many, yeah. many years. Um, you know, you look at his, um, his tenure in New Japan, he was, he was strong style. You know, he started the Chaos Stable, which obviously is now being headed by Okada. Mm-hmm. He's he was a massive, massive deal. And when the WWE announced that they'd signed Shinsuke, AJ Styles, and then Gallows and Anderson, you thought, "Oh my life!" Yeah, this just... is going to be incredible. Um, and then obviously, uh, Bullet Club or the club as they were rebranded mm-hmm. debuted on the main roster. Shinsuke, um went into NXT um, and had, in my opinion, the match of 2016, uh, the WWE match of 2016 anyway. It's definitely up there, yeah. Yeah, at TakeOver Dallas versus Sami Zayn. It's critically acclaimed. um, An absolutely fantastic match. And it was the announcement of Shinsuke Nakamura. He won the title soon after uh, from Samoa Joe, I believe. And, you know, the fan response to him, you know, the charisma, as you mentioned earlier, yeah. was just oozing out of him. He uh, he he was such a massive deal. And to have him in yeah. NXT, that was the <laughs> moment for me that NXT could have been WWE's third brand as opposed to yeah. a developmental territory. Because they had, the like, well, like you say, they had some more Joe as well. Yeah. And then they would soon get Bobby Roode. Yeah. You know, um, the st- had arguably the best tag team division as well. Oh, by an absolute mile. By an absolute mile. Um, I mean, you look at the tag team, the state of the tag teams now, <laughs> and um, you've got the Bludgeon Brothers debuting in leotards and hitting GoPros <laughs> with clay hammers. So, 
you know, it doesn't take a lot to be better than. Though I will say, I did actually enjoy that. I did actually enjoy their debut match on SmackDown. <laughs> um, but Nakamura. The only thing I will say about Nakamura's debut and the reason it rate ranks so low on this list is just because of WWE's inability to capitalize yeah. on the momentum of Shinsuke on his debut. It's, it's, there's just I think it's just there was too many people swimming around the top end of the the roster, and the Vince ultimately has the final say, and he doesn't see him as that level with the others. I don't know if it's because he's Japanese, but history would probably tell us that it is. The fact he's not, you're all American, American, potentially. Yeah. I mean, you look at what is going around the dirt sheets at the moment about his disdain for Finn Balor and his yeah. apparent inability to to draw, which is utterly ridiculous. Insane. Um, I mean, the reason he's not drawing, or, you know, in inverted commas, not drawing, is because you're booking him like crap. Mm-hmm. You know, he's been jobbed out to Kane, for God's sake. What possible <laughs> momentum does... Exactly. What possible momentum does Kane need? You know, he's a part-time. He's running for mayor of somewhere in Tennessee. What on <laughs> earth is he going to do with a WWE run? But, it just seems... Yeah, I mean, it's... I mean, it's the same thing with, with Balor. Like, he was a big deal in NXT. He was, yeah, he was selling out... He was selling tickets for their shows, which took them to that next level anyway. You look at anything, Finn Balor will be able... He should be raking in merchandise money. Mm-hmm. Just the demon, never mind... I mean, he's got nice-looking merch. Anyway, that Balor Club shirt's brilliant. (laughs) But, you know, aside from that, he should be raking in money anyway. He's a fantastic wrestler. His Mm -hmm. stuff as Prince Devitt in New Japan is absolutely astounding. His heel work is amazing. His promo work is amazing. As the sort of good guy, sort of stand-up against everybody, doesn't give up, sort of Cena-like, like uh, Babyface, he was massive. Yeah. Such a, and then when he turned heel and he was a really sort of cocky guy and and then he only busted the demon out for the big big shows and, and I that's think what he needed that's I think um, WWE are trying to get too much out of that demon side as well yeah they are they are we, we see it too often and with building on the demon they're crushing Finn himself which is what NXT never did Finn yeah. was strong anyway without the demon but we're digressing massively. I'm sure we could talk about failed NXT call-ups all day. <laughs> but um, for me, one final thing on Nakamura. Um, we mentioned about WWE failing to capitalise somewhat on his on his debut. I will say that he was booked relatively strongly in the yeah. Survivor Series main event. Um, obviously, Shane was the sole survivor on the SmackDown side because he is the strongest wrestler. Um, he has the most skill you know look at those punches Um, please don't I know (laughs) but the way they handled his main roster debut match you know they built and built and built and built and built to his debut match at Backlash and it was against Dolph Ziggler and it was to be critical a bang average match yeah it was pretty flat wasn't it? it it was very flat um, I just Nakamura should be treated like the jewel in the crown of Smackdown Live you've got AJ Styles and you've got Shinsuke Nakamura they should be occupying the top spot on Smackdown not Randy Orton okay 
<laughs> he is very old now. He's had his time. He crushed Bray Wyatt. Thank you, Randy. <laughs> okay, you don't need... He's crushed Rusev. You don't need to be there anymore. He's main oh. eventing SmackDown again next week, where I'm sure he'll crush Kevin Owens with one RKO from nowhere because he's a one-dimension pony. Just dull. It's just it is. Predict- predictable and dull. Exactly. So, Shinsuke Nakamura, anyway, on to more positive yep. things. Shinsuke Nakamura at number nine. I'm going to let you introduce number eight, um, Garth, because this is all you, my friend. This is all me, yes. Um, this was, at the time, a huge, huge deal because this person had left WWE in sort of on bad terms um, but then when he turned up at TNA on the announcement videos and things it was just a massive shock and they built it and built it and built it and he came up against probably his best opposition was Samoa Joe so it was um, number 8 will be Kurt Angle's TNA debut okay um, I mean personally it's nice to have you on the podcast Garth simply because you know so much more about TNA and its history mm-hmm. and than I do. I I follow Impact sort of now, um, but I never really followed it in its in its glory years um, in the mid two thousands. And yeah. it's that I mean two thousand between two thousand five and two thousand nine. I would say that it was the best wrestling product um, from a wrestling point of view. Um, that was the time when you had. Cena running the whole of WWE basically yeah and that just became so predictable and dull um this was just so I mean if you watch the video the commentators make it sound such like a bit like such a big deal um he comes out with his flag and all the pyro and everything and TNA didn't really have a lot of that at the time either no so it was this big sort of bombastic look who we've got and the crowd went absolutely crazy bearing in mind it was the impact zone which the crowd could be quite diluted because some of them would see two shows at once yeah because it was all taped very flat very tired yeah but when he came out it was it was massive it was huge um and it it did it took that promotion to that next step to the next level everybody knew who kurt angle was Mm. Um, and the debut i mean he came out did his thing got face-to-face with Samoa Joe, head-butted him, <laughs> busted his eye open, um, slammed him. I'm, I'm sure he slammed him onto the belt, if I remember correctly. Um, and then they had a big brawl afterwards, and it was just perfect. You could see Joe was enjoying it because he had someone who would go toe-to-toe with him, sort of quite stiff. And they were le- leathering the shit out of each other as well. <laughs> it's just, just brilliant. And, and f- for what it sort of what it became on his his run just it was to me it's bar the odd sort of match in WWE I think it was his best like matches was in TNA with the likes of AJ and Joe and even the stuff he did with um, like Bobby Roode and uh, Sting and the stuff like that it was just I don't know it was just it was an exciting time again with wrestling hadn't been that exciting for a long long time no matter where Angle was going to go, that promotion was going to get a huge boost because yep. even in uh, 2006 when he'd left the WWE, um, I wouldn't say it was under acrimonious circumstances, but Kurt was under a lot of um, 
you know, pressure with drugs. obviously his neck, his drugs that he was taking to help with his neck. He was yeah. every injury seemed to be his neck because a lot of it was down to the fact they wouldn't give him any time off to heal. Yeah, he didn't so want time why... off to heal though. That's the thing. He was such yeah. an I mean machine. Yeah, the Kurt Angle Homecoming um, documentaries are really eye opening. Mm-hmm. Um, it really is about how how much of a passion he had for the business and still has for the business. But when he went to TNA, um, there was some who thought that, you know, that it was it was a bad reflection on TNA. They didn't have any care for Kurt mm-hmm. Angle. Others just saw this as a huge step up for TNA, which it you know was doing it was. was doing it well was. for it, you know, doing well for itself, but they'd never had a name like Kurt Angle. And Kurt Angle, like you say, produced some of his his best work in TNA. You know, his matches against uh, Samoa Joe, because obviously at Genesis he ended Samoa Joe's undefeated streak. Yeah. Um, you know, his, his, the Iron Man match that he had with Joe. Um, he had the cage match with um, AJ. Yeah, which was absolutely and, sensational. And he had an absolutely brilliant cage match with um, Jeff Jarrett. Yeah. If you've got um, a man who can do a moonsault off the top of a cage, <laughs> you've, you're onto a winner. And yeah. Kurt Angle's moonsault is... A thing of absolute beauty, similar to Charlotte Flair's, but Kurt <laughs> yeah. Angle's a lot older and with a lot more broken bones, so he should not be able to do the things oh, no. he can. But I agree, Kurt Angle bought TNA to a level they were never, ever, ever going to get to without him. Um, and it's it's unfortunate now that you know Impact or GFW or whatever they're called today um, <laughs> is in the state it's in because they were briefly a force to be reckoned with. Oh yeah, they're they definitely the number two, but I think they've been overtaken now. I think Ring of Honor's probably overtaken them. In the um, US, I'd say New Japan's probably overtaken yeah. them as well New now. New Japan, yeah. yeah. Because of you know their shows in Long Beach, the G1 special at Long Beach. Yeah. And the fact they've got the the New Japan world as well, so That's anyone can watch people, it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I did an article on the website about five reasons now is the best time to start watching New Japan. Mm. And, you know, TNA doesn't come close. Impact does not come close. You look at their roster now, they're leaving by their tens. You know, there's been something ridiculous, like 40 releases since January. It's just mental. It really is. And you look how paper thin their roster is now. It is. A lot of them are on multiple promotions now because they obviously can't afford to keep them. No, absolutely not. And, you know, when you're having to pay out 50 quid per person to get people to come and watch your shows, you know, asking them to bring signs that they've made themselves, it's just, it's it's a sad state of affairs. It really is. But briefly, briefly Impact Wrestling were up there. And yeah. Kurt Angle was not solely... Obviously, they had a lot of talent, Samoa Joe, AJ Styles coming through, but he gave them a massive boost, a massive boost. Brilliant. Number seven, and this one was me, is Goldberg's debut in the WWE. Now, Goldberg was one of the big omissions um, when WCW invaded WWE in that really, really successful angle. Um <laughs> where loads of top talent from WCW came over. Um, <laughs> Sean Stasiak. Um, but um, Goldberg, 
as many of the top talents in WCW were under contract with Time Warner. Um, WWE were loath to buy out those contracts, so missed out on quite a few. Yeah. Goldberg wrestled briefly in Japan. Um, obviously, this absolute monster who had the kayfabe unbeaten streak, uh, which Asuka's broken. Um, but, you know, in those days, you watched Goldberg and he destroyed everyone. He was yeah. legitimately terrifying. Well, if you watch him, I mean, if you watch his WCW debut, he doesn't even have an entrance. He's already yeah. in the ring as the sort of, well, you would say that's like the jobber entrance. Yeah, absolutely. And then know. he absolutely manhandles, um, I can't remember who he is, who he fights, not... but the guy really lays into him. Yeah. He's obviously thinking, well, I'll teach you. And then Goldberg says, no, I'm going to teach you. Picks him up in that jackhammer. And this guy's must be 300 pounds easy. Just slams him. Yeah. I mean, the strength of the man, the absolute strength of the man is just unbelievable. And when he went to Japan, a lot of WWE fans were upset. They wanted to see him in WWE. Obviously, who wouldn't? Um, started, well, there was had the people bringing the signs and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. You had chance. Mm-hmm. Um, but eventually he left Japan and um, in 2003, the end of 2003, uh, rumours started to circulate that he'd signed. Um, and he did. In March 2003, he debuted um, on an episode of Raw. It was the night after WrestleMania 19, I think. Um, yeah, it'll be 19. And he interrupted a Rock promo, <laughs> which was just absolutely outstanding. The Rock was in full flow, yeah. uh, having beaten Steve Austin. Um, and Goldberg came onto the Titantron. You know, the crowd started chanting Goldberg. <laughs> you had the iconic Goldberg entrance. Yeah. And the Rock's face throughout it just was yes. <laughs> absolutely you can see i'm sure he, at one point he starts to sort of back against the rope and as if he's going to get out but then he changes his mind like it's he sells it so well and that is how you make a star i mean goldberg's already a star but you know you have a person in the ring who's legitimately terrified that you are going <laughs> to hurt him and you know people are going to pop huge and they did pop they massively did, yeah. To debut him at the Raw after Mania, which is, you know, almost as big an event as Mania. You know, it's mm-hmm. where big things happen. Um, but uh, he got to the ring, The Rock puts the microphone to his lips. Uh, you just see Goldberg say, You're next. Absolutely mm-hmm. spears The Rock <laughs> out of his shoes, who is still one of the best sellers of the Stone Cold Stunner ever and sold this like an absolute champ. Um, from there, a rivalry with The Rock, which was the best way you could possibly debut Goldberg. Yeah. You don't want to see him destroying jobs. You want to see him destroying um, stars who were all already justified, who were already big names. Um, and that's what he did. He was he was fantastic. Um, obviously, it all went downhill from there. Um, his <laughs> year in the company was not was not without trouble um he was one of the most famous casualties of triple h's burials with his yeah. golden shovel you could tell it was um it was also a sort of 
your WCW man, eh? Let's teach you a lesson. And it was, yeah, yeah. You can tell that you can tell it wasn't clicking with him and and the, the whole company. You could, and I think to a certain extent, WWE have never gotten over WCW talent for that reason. I mean, to the yeah. for the same reason as the network is not showing the Starcade special. Really? No, it's, it's they say they will make no, uh, it's going to be no profit for them to air Starcade. Why call it Starcade then? You've got Ric Flair there, you've got Dustin Rhodes, you know, you've got huge names, you've got a title yes. match in the steel cage. You know, you aired Roadblock when it was a <laughs> network special. Why not air Starcade? It's just Vince McMahon going, do you know what? Just to remind you, Starcade, you, um, WCW used to be a thing and I crushed it yeah. because I'm Vince McMahon and I've got huge bollocks. And it's just pettiness as well. It is, it is. And it's a shame because it was pettiness like that that led to Goldberg leaving literally almost a year to the day after his really, mm-hmm. really fantastic debut. Yeah, because it was after the Mania, wasn't it, with oh. Brock? Which we've caught on Wrestling Worst Matches. Um, yeah. It's it's a laughably poor match. But, you know, it's... can you blame Goldberg for wanting to leave the company, really? No, not at all. And the thing is, he, he didn't even... He left and that was it. He just severed all ties, didn't look back. Yeah, I until, mean... Until last year. <laughs> which was a far better run. A far yeah. better run with the company. And well, that was how, really... Goldberg's first WWE run should have gone um, but alas it didn't Goldberg left the company effectively disappeared off the face of the earth for 10 years opened a gym for all accounts did extremely well for himself still looks incredible considering he's upwards of 50 50 or 51 or 52 yeah that I tell you what anyone who can pick Brock Lesnar up at 50 <laughs> that's fair enough by me yeah um, speaking of Mr. Lesnar, I tell you what, I'm getting good at these segues, Garth. I'm getting <laughs> really good at these. Um, number six is the original debut of the Beast Incarnate, Brock Lesnar. Now, this is another one of your entries, Garth. So, do you want to talk us through it? Yeah, I mean, it, it's another one that's sort of another one that doesn't have a big flashy entrance. Um, he just sort of comes in during a match. It's a, I think, is it a hardcore match? I believe it's a triple threat, um, isn't it? With um, it's well, it's Maven. <laughs> <laughs> we all uh, love Maven. It's Maven and I think Spike's in there. Spike Dudley and Al Snow. And Al Snow, yeah, yep. And he just comes in and absolutely just demolishes them all. I think. Yeah. I mean, I think the F five he gives to Maven, just he almost goes through the the ring. <laughs> uh, he gives. I think he gives. Um, he gives Al Snow a power bomb into a. Um, a bin. <laughs> I forgot then, about that. And then stupidly, uh, Spike tries to jump off the top rope at him. <laughs> <laughs> so he just absolutely just picks him up by the, the scruff of his neck into a sort of, well, like a last ride power bomb, and again just plants him through the ring. Just, I mean, Spike weighs about twenty five pounds as well. Yeah, you know, maybe just... done away much more. Well, and, even and so, all the all the while, Paul Heyman's at the side shouting again, again. Yeah, and the WWE built him massively, hmm. massively. I mean, let's face it, heel Brock Lesnar's best Brock Lesnar. Yeah, um, face Lesnar's boring Lesnar. 
you know, he's at his best when he's destroying convertible cars with axes, <laughs> which is still one of my favourite Brock Lesnar uh, segments. Um, but, you know, even after that, they didn't halt his momentum at all. He absolutely took apart the Hardy Boys, didn't he? Um, I think which was his feud after that. Um, it was those clotheslines he used to give as well. Just Yeah, he was legitimately stiff, wasn't he, with some of them? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, and when he, when he, you know, I'm loath to say roided out, but when you could see it in his eyes and his neck and he was going, you were like, oh, my God. Yeah. I know he's like 4,000 miles away from me at the moment, but I am quite scared of this man. Yeah. You know, you, you can tell he has a sort of, like a real sort of intense mean streak. Yeah, absolutely. He's just absolutely. the type of guy that would just give you a look and you're just, right, okay, I'm, I'm going to stop. Yeah, he's the kind of guy who makes his fruit salad with a shotgun. <laughs> Have you seen or that a, Or a combine harvester. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's, even when he's laughing, he's a legitimately scary bloke, isn't he? It's, it's, it's like a sinister, evil sort of, I'm going to get you next laugh. Yeah, it is. And, um, you know, everything everything they did for Brock Lesnar's debut led to him being a massive, massive thing. And when you think when he left the company in 2004, you know, St. Thomas Goldberg, he left to have an extremely successful NFL career with the Minnesota Vikings. Um, he, he was still a huge draw, yeah. a massive draw. And then he came back after stints in Japan and stints with the UFC where he proved Again, he, he was, was actually a scary-ass man. Legitimate badass. Yeah. Because he lost I mean, his first match, but, you know, once he got used to the ring and things like that, good God. Yeah. He's like someone had put a shark in shorts. <laughs> it was terrifying. Absolutely <laughs> terrifying. And it, I mean, I think if not for him, the, the UFC wouldn't have got the way it was because a lot of the, the wrestling fans took it on because he was there. Yeah, absolutely. He's the most successful wrestler by an absolute mile to transition into the UFC. Yeah. I mean, Lashley's tried it, Batista's tried it. Uh, I know Alberto Del Rio. Does he... Angle try it? I think Angle tried it briefly, um, but I don't think he was anywhere near as successful as obviously, no. or you know, didn't bring it as as much tried into Puck. the mainstream as Brock did. Um, does Del Rio own Bellator, or does he own an MMA promotion? I think he owns one, doesn't he? Does he? I think he owns one. I don't think it's Bellator. I think he does own one, though. I'm sure he does. What does he run one? Apparently, he has quite a bit of a mean streak, so... Del Rio? Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. I wouldn't want to mess with Del Rio. <laughs> Good God. No. No, 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 no. I mean, unless I was Brock Lesnar. I can mess with anyone <laughs> if I'm Brock Lesnar. Um, <laughs> but, yes, we... Um, and then his return, where he absolutely destroyed the living hell out of John Cena. Yeah. Um, before Extreme Rules uh, 2011? Or was it 2012? I think it was 2012. Um, I just absolutely destroyed Cena and then handed Cena his most devastating loss at SummerSlam where he effectively destroyed him like a jobber. Yeah. Which was just, oh, it was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. Um, Yeah, potentially he's a bit boring now. Um, I think the Goldberg thing was good. I think with with Brock Lesnar now, he has to really feel it. Yeah. You can tell when he's sort of just going through the motions. Yeah, I I think the match with AJ kind of proves that. I think the uh, the Goldberg stuff really sort of lit a fire on him because I don't think he would have done that job for anyone. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, to, let, to let himself be destroyed within three minutes. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I mean, ultimately, he must have known that he was going to get something out of it. Obviously, who wouldn't? Mm. But um, yeah, to get to to get to losing in three minutes, he's got to respect his opponent. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, speaking of Brock's opponents, number five, the phenomenal AJ Styles, and where to start with this man? Um, he debuted at the Royal Rumble, twenty sixteen. Uh, number three. And the WWE, in true WWE fashion, uh, because they can't let us have nice things, um, we saw the screen that just said, I am. Mm-hmm. And then we had a huge close-up of gormless Roman Reigns. <clears throat> <laughs> so we heard a massive crowd pop, and we had no idea what was going on. Um, but as soon as the camera panned to Mr. Styles, it was it was absolute pandemonium. Um it was it was incredible, um, you know. As he walked to the ring, you got amazing thoughts in your head. You got wow! Look at what amazing dream you're, matches we could you're, have you're, now. I was going to say you're you're already fantasy booking it. Oh, absolutely! I mean, you similar to Omega and people like that. He can pull anyone to a great match. Case in mm-hmm. point, Jinder Mahal when he won the WWE Championship this time. Yeah. Jinder Mahal is an average wrestler at best. Um, and AJ pulled him to a decent match Brock who has been as you said earlier going through the motions AJ pulled him to a great match his series against John Cena which are John Cena's best matches because John Cena was having to pull stuff out he would never normally do no absolutely not it's his best matches since his CM Punk match at Money in the Bank 2011 he had a a good match with Shane was good yeah Um, the only the only Blemishes, I can say, because they aren't they aren't big things. But his series against Kevin Owens, yeah, had, when you expected them to be better than they were, yeah, yeah, it had such potential, and for it to fall so flat as it did, and obviously it was a vehicle to set up KO versus Shane. Even so, they should have put on better matches than they did. They didn't. Um, it's the a shame. Debut, but... The debut itself, though, was because. Well, personally, I, I hadn't. I'd avoided all the spoilers and everything. I didn't watch it live, but I'd avoided everything, so it wasn't a genuine shock. Yeah. Because there was there was sort of whispers and rumours, but I never ever thought it would happen. No. There was rumblings, pardon the pun. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, obviously, this at the same time that Shinsuke and Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson were coming, and for AJ Styles, who was at the time, possibly the biggest name that wasn't in WWE, mm-hmm. um, you know, the leader of the Bullet Club coming to WWE, you know, at the Rumble. I was the same as you. I had no idea he was going to be there. Um, it was just incredible. And it's one of the entries on this list where, thankfully, the WWE haven't stunted the momentum. You know, they've really let him go yeah. with it. He's now a two-time uh, WWE champion. He's won the United States Championship. So, you know, he's a decorated WWE wrestler now, and rightly so, because he is, without a shadow of a doubt, the best wrestler in that company. Definitely, yeah. There's there's no one that can touch him. And he's pretty good. I mean, promo-wise, he's not great, but he's still good at being either a heel or a face. Yeah. Because he, he can be quite sympathetic when he's getting beat down he's still really good at selling but then when he's playing the sort of 
cocky I am the best heel. It really works because you know he is actually the best. I mean, his stuff with Cena when he came out, he's wearing the armband round his head. <laughs> you know, that was amazing. That was great yes. stuff. It was absolutely amazing. Um but he was he's just absolutely fantastic. He really is. And his debut was perfect, apart from the shoddy camera work and us <laughs> seeing Gormless Roman Reigns. That, that, that pop from the crowd was oh, phenomenal. Again, and I, the bump. I, I popped as well, like it's not often I sort of do now, but when that happened I was sort of oh yes, brilliant, get in. Yeah. All sort my of. life is this right is this actually happening? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um but he's given us so much in his, you know, it'll be two years at this year's Royal Rumble. And next year's Royal Rumble, I apologise. Um, and he's done so much. He's provided us with so much. It's a pleasure to have him. It really is. And he's a pleasure yeah. to watch every time he steps into that ring. And you said earlier about him being, you know, not being the best on the microphone, potentially. But when you're as good in the ring as he is, and you carry yourself with the gravitas that he does... You don't need to be as, oh yeah, you know, you don't need to be as good as Kevin Owens on the mic, you know. If you're as good as Kenny Omega in the ring, mm-hmm. you know, it, yeah. all you've got to do is show up, put your hands together, and then <laughs> put your arms out wide, and <laughs> everyone will pop. So, yep, you know, you know, it disproves Dolph Ziggler's whole thing of you need a gimmick to get over. So, yeah, AJ <laughs> Styles are number five. Moving on to number four, um, this is. We're now getting into really, really iconic debuts now. Um, and for me, this was the most impactful debut in years. Yeah. Um, and this was The Nexus. Um, the Nexus was um, a stable made up of uh, upstarts from NXT, NXT was not the NXT that we watch now. It was a game show, which was crap. Um, but the NXT rookies decided that they were going to join up and destroy everything and everyone unannounced until they got full-time contracts with the WWE. <laughs> and it was beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Uh, they debuted um, on the June 7th episode 2010 of Raw. Uh, they debuted during the main event between Cena and Punk. I've got written down here. Um, it was nice that they'd all got, already got merch on, um, which was <laughs> nice. Um, but it was Wade Barrett. This is where I've forgotten to write it down. Probably should have done. But you've got people like Wade Barrett, Daniel Bryan, yeah. uh, Skip Sheffield, who would <laughs> later on become Ryback. Um, you've David got Otunga. David Otunga. Um, you got Justin Gabriel, uh, Heath Slater, um, Darren Young. Darren Young. So you know there was what we would now see as you know bigish names, and they just absolutely laid waste to everyone. <laughs> um, John Cena, yeah, the ring announcers. You know they call it the ring first, don't they? Yeah, they took out everyone. They took out absolutely. Everyone. Um, they took out Jerry Lawler. Uh, they took out Matt Stryker. Um, Justin Roberts, who was then strangled with his own tie, uh, which unfortunately got Daniel Bryan a very, very short exclusion from the WWE. Um, <laughs> but it was, it was amazing. It was a shot of adrenaline was, that the WWE needed. Yeah, it was something that would, you'd never seen, and and with the marquee man as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. With the beat Cena. Yeah, and then obviously they beat up um, Bret Hart as well. Yeah. Um, you need to be careful with Bret Hart, obviously. Um, <laughs> don't don't hurt Bret Hart. But they were just they were brilliant, and the numbers game worked really well. They overwhelmed everything. They ruined everything for everyone. And you know you had to sit up and take notice. And in a short amount of time, they were so over with the crowd. Which you know they had gained such momentum from this debut, which was you know what they wanted. Um, they started that whole thing where they sort of surround the ring, then all get up under the apron at the same time, then all step into the ring at the same time, which the Shield does now. Yeah, absolutely, it's made famous by the Shield. Yeah, which you know, again, it proves that their debut kind of inspired modern day factions. Mm-hmm. Um, which is amazing. Unfortunately, again, we spoke about how AJ's debut, the WWE capitalised on that momentum. The Nexus is perhaps one of the greatest examples of WWE's booking inadequacies. Um, Obviously, they were squashed by Cena, and it was only Cena, um, at SummerSlam of that year, where... Team Nexus were defeated by Team Cena. Cena mm. eliminated two men having taken a DDT headfirst <laughs> onto exposed concrete. <laughs> Explain to me. Explain to me how that is possible. Super Cena at that time, wasn't it? It was the unstoppable force. It was, and it's... It was at that point that a lot of people started tuning out of WWE because the Nexus had everything to gain from winning that feud. Um, Yes, Wade Barrett went on to have a couple of championship attempts, uh, but never claimed the gold. Um, But it it really did kill all of the momentum dead. All of it. Um, Cena's come out quite recently and said it was was a huge mistake, but that's not going to help the careers of the people (laughs) in the Nexus. I mean, there was a quite an alarming photograph on social media that said that the only person of the original Nexus who's still with the company, you know, wrestling is Heath is Heath Slater. Slater, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> if you'd have said that at the time, what the one with the ginger wavy hair, behave? Yeah, um, the rock star. Yeah, the bang average one. What? Um, but the WWE at the time was Cena or bust, and it was that single-handedly which drove a lot of fans away myself included I stopped watching wrestling around that time um, just because I was sick of seeing stuff like that that's you know what, yeah, stuff that's, like that stuff we... like Cena beating Mysterio for the title after Mysterio had had it for about an hour and a half mm. you know it's... having won his first title just hope they don't do the same thing with Reigns and do that make him superhuman <laughs> they're going to I mean unfortunately it's once Vince has an idea in his head there's no way you're going to change his mind Um, I mean the man's a lunatic the the (laughs) man is a certified like nut job he doesn't like sneezing really? yeah that's a well known fact about Vince McMahon he does not like sneezing because he can't control it shows weakness Jesus yep he thinks (laughs) you only need three hours sleep if you sleep for longer it's slobbish (laughs) The man is an well, absolute nutcase. I mean, 
he's in pretty good condition for his age, I suppose. He's in fantastic condition for his age, but I reckon it's because he's a robot. Um, <laughs> he's he's just yeah, he is. Yeah, <laughs> there's just there's no words. There's no words. If you can if you can punish a man for having his hair cut, then you know <laughs> for this long. If you can punish a man for touching you, you know, then oh, yeah. it's uh, poor Titus. Poor Titus. Poor Titus. I oh, know. Um, but yeah, the Nexus, uh, one of the most unfortunate tales in WWE history. Um, they are number four on our list. Moving to the top three now. We are looking at extremely iconic debuts now. And number three takes place in 1997. And it is, of course, Kane, the Undertaker's kayfabe brother. <laughs> um, I mean, for me, uh, we stated on the previous episode of The Five Count that um, Kane is my favourite wrestler. Um, he is the most... I hated using that word in the last uh, podcast I've managed to stop myself saying iconic quite as much this podcast um, <laughs> but his debut is is iconic um, you've got this man who looked so different to the rest of the roster at the time um, a roster that was trying to transition into the Attitude Era um, coming into this match that's absolutely sensational the match between Shawn Michaels and Undertaker to main event bad blood in the steel cage it's just it's incredible that was a really um, good match. Yeah. Fantastic match. And then to have this debut. It's been kind of billed for weeks by Paul Bearer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just hearing Jim Ross go, that's got to be Kane. <laughs> and he walks to the ring and, you know, he's got a mask on and he looks ripped. And he, he goes sort of toe-to-toe with um, Undertaker and he's actually slightly bigger than him. Yeah. From what I remember. And you just think, holy shit, what? Yeah. I Because mean, up to that point, Taker was... The big, the big one. He was the, the sort of the leader of that. Yeah, I mean, you're talking, you know, pre-Big Show, pre-Paul White. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Undertaker was effectively the tallest and the broadest wrestler on the roster. You know, we'd just been shown a 30, 35 minute match where he'd been tossing Shawn Michaels around like a <laughs> rag doll, and then the whole ring up as well. My life, yeah. Shawn Michaels was a mess. Um, and then suddenly, this man comes to the ring who dwarfs the Undertaker tombstones him having ripped the cage door off yeah you know <laughs> the door was off its hinges it pulled the chain off you know he just looked a legitimate badass he was brilliant and you know, it just it, he, he came in tombstoned walked out yeah just didn't say a thing and that was what was beautiful there's too many wrestlers who are keen on saying too much aka mm-hmm. Enzo Amore you know <laughs> You don't need to say words to make an impact. And Kane did just that. I mean, good God, he's had some awful storylines, you know, since that debut. And perhaps some would argue that he deserves more than he's gotten. Um, I personally find it absolutely, you know, astounding that he's only had one championship run with the WWE belt. Yeah. And that run lasted for one day. It's it's quite astonishing when you think about it's it, really, insane. and the gravitas of the man. Um, but the debut is certainly one of the most iconic of the Attitude Era and probably of modern WWE. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that's all we can say about it, really. It's a short entry, but that was his debut. And mm. 
we all know what's happened with Kane since. Yes, he's been corporate Kane, which was interesting. Um, it wasn't too bad. I mean, he he was funny, he sort of, but he sort of ran with it at least. I suppose he did. Oh, he's given Glenn Jacobs has given absolutely everything to every character that he's been. I mean, for God's sake, he has been the Christmas creature. You know, a man <laughs> dressed as a goddamn Christmas tree. And then I have to explain to my girlfriend why I like wrestling. And I've just oh, said that sentence out loud. <laughs> She's going to be downstairs well? going, he's talking about a man dressed as a Christmas tree. <laughs> you know, he was Isaac Yankum DDS. He was Jerry Lawler's dentist, for God's sake. And he was fake Diesel. You know. That's, that's probably the worst one. <laughs> it really is. When they, announced, when they announced that they'd got Diesel and Razor Ramon back and there's a wonderful interview of Scott with with Scott Hall and uh, Kevin Nash and them watching it uh, mm. on Nitro at the back while they were waiting to go on and they're like what? <laughs> we're here <laughs> um, and obviously they oh yeah it was it was, it was all atrocious. done so seriously as well though yeah it was it was like Vince was like no we're going to do this and we're going to they're my characters I'm keeping them <laughs> God, it's it's <laughs> awful, really is awful. Um, but yeah, thankfully, uh, Glenn Jacobs kind of progressed through that, became Kane, had this unbelievable debut, um, was billed as this legitimate monster, you know, through till about two thousand and one. Then the stupid things started to happen, you know, the Kane and Rooney, Katie yeah. Vick. You know, his first words being, if I don't win the title, I'm going to burn myself alive. It's a bit intense, King. Um, and then the unmasking. The unmasking with the with the ginger beard and the, the ginger little fro, which was which was lovely. It's the um it's the selling of it, it's the Jim Ross as well. He's hideous. He's <laughs> like, mate, it looks better than I do. And I'm only thirteen. Um you know, and then he's had like we said, um, you know, we went to therapy. And team yes, team. Oh. Yeah, team, team hell no, to be fair, was probably the best thing he'd done for a while. Um, but, you know, now he's just, he's back. The Billingham's are much, his mask's crap. His mask, it, you're not going to beat the original mask. No. Um, but yes, Kane is our number three. Goth, I'm going to allow you to introduce number two <laughs> and number one. So, please feel free. Who is number two? Number two out. is probably the most, I would say that the most shocking debut in the fact that he doesn't, they don't debut as they turn out to be. So it's, it involves Hulk Hogan. So it, number two is going to be the NWO's debut on, um, I think it was Bash at the Beach. Bash at the Beach in 96, yeah. July um, 7th. Where it's, um, Macho Man has been laid out by um, were they the Outlaws at the time? They were the, the Outsiders, Hall and Nash, the Outsiders. outsiders sorry, yeah. yeah. Um, Hogan comes down to the ring, does his, takes his top off, all the crowd are going crazy, it's Hogan, it's Hogan, he's here to save the day. Then he drops that leg drop on Macho Man and y- you can see the the crowd, everyone just, it just drops. Yeah. People, have, kids are crying, the people have got their heads in their hands and then he drops another one. I think, does he do three leg drops? He does a few, yeah. Um, and then they come in and they do the whole hand clapping and things. And then the, and the crowd go absolutely mental. Yeah. 
it's when they start throwing all the stuff into the ring. I just, it's just such a good, such a, I mean, it's the best heel turn ever, bar none. I mean, this is because a man who was all about drinking your milk, twenty years, eating yeah. your prayers, eating your prayers, <laughs> eating your vitamins, saying your prayers. Yeah, he was Mister Mister WWF at the time, and then he became Hollywood Hogan. Well, in Hollywood, and then he became the real Hollywood Hogan in WCW. Yeah, uh, where he got that nice black stubble. Um, but it was just the fact that he aligned li- himself with Hall and Nash. Yeah, I agree. And, and I think if I'm, I can't remember if it, right, but at first he doesn't call it the New World Order, does he? He calls it's, it the New World Order of Wrestling. Something like that, yeah. Brother. But then obviously gets turned to NWO, and their run was the best thing at the time in wrestling. Absolutely. When they were coming out with the spray paint and spraying everything NWO, and then it got a bit bloated and silly. Um, yeah. But that original, and then because during that debut when he turns it's Mean Gene comes out and he gives such a good promo as well Um, it's just it's just he, it's like he's flicked a switch yeah and he's become this like badass and the best bit is because uh, I rewatched it not too long ago and uh, Scott Hall's doing all the Hulk Hogan poses in the ring while he's giving the promo and the crowd are going absolutely just throwing like full sort of cans of pop or it's cans of something. Yeah. That's when everything they can. That that's to me that I think that's one of the last times you see real, real sort of heat. Yeah, real legitimate heat. Yeah. This I is mean, like how could you possibly do this, Hogan? How dare you do this to us? This was so different to anything that had ever been seen in American wrestling. Um and for it to be Hulk Hogan, the icon of 20 years was was just it, nobody expected it at all you know it, we talked before we came on air about how it was originally supposed to be Sting um, but Hogan seeing a money train kind of went nah I've got to be on that <laughs> you know his, his character had been stale for a while people were bored of him in WCW people had been yeah. bored of him you know in WWF before he left in uh, 93 so but to have this new dimension to his character and we spoke obviously about Kane um throwing himself into every character he was given. Hulk Hogan gave everything yeah. to this heel turn, especially that first couple of months run where it was just the three of them. Even when it was the five, when the Giant joined and mm-hmm. Ted DiBiase, when they joined those original five, that was when the NWO was the hottest shit on TV. Yeah. Um, everyone knew the NWO. Even if you didn't watch wrestling, you got people walking around, you know, cities in their merch mm-hmm. you know you've got people flocking from WWF to watch WCW and WCW were absolutely annihilating WWF in the ratings you know WWF oh, you yeah. still got people like the goon wrestling <laughs> you know you'd still got all these cartoon acts wrestling in the WWF um, and then you've got this cool you know things that you know young people were into mm-hmm it was really it was edgy. Just, yeah, it was. Sort of... That's the best way to describe it, edgy. And even before Hogan joined, when it was just Hall and Nash, mm-hmm. you know, the most... The bit I remember is when they were taking out all the talent backstage and uh, they were in, like, a porter cabin. And... Uh, I remember that. Yeah, and um, 
Rey Mysterio Jr. Rey Mysterio gets absolutely just smashed oh, against. It's my favourite bit. bit. No, he doesn't. Um, he co- he goes for a um, like a crossbody off the stairs, mm. and uh, is it Nash? I think Nash catches him on his shoulder and then just javelins him That's into a- the side of the porter cabin, <laughs> which is just incredible. And then Randy Savage. They get into a limo, drive off, and Randy Savage is holding on to the top of the limo, isn't he? As it drives off. <laughs> I forgot all that. <laughs> Which is just amazing. Um, I mean, obviously, we talked about um, it becoming a bit bloated and silly. Um, the the end the problem with the NWO was the NWO. Um, they yeah. got too big for the. It was the brainchild of Eric Bischoff. Um, but the problem was with Eric Bischoff was that he didn't know when a good thing had run its course. Yeah. Um, he thought that the best thing for the company was to keep the NWO going when the NWO was killing his company. Wrestlers, there was huge discontent with wrestlers because they were constantly having their matches and their titles taken by the yeah. NWO. Uh, when they were wrestling, the matches were being thrown out. When there were titles I mean, had, on the line, the, the NWO would win because of, you know, the numbers game. And they had, at the end, half of the NW weren't even wrestling. No, exactly. H- H- Hogan rarely even wrestled. Towards the end, it was just all the others. Yeah, Hogan only wrestled the, at pay-per-views. Then you had the Wolf Pack. Oh God, the Wolf Pack um, in Hollywood. Yeah, and it was just, yeah, it was just the whole roster at some point just seemed to be NWO. Yeah, and it was a shame because it had been such an amazing thing, and. But they given creative control to too many people, yeah, for it to be sustainable, and that was the problem. The wheels fell off, you know, became bloated, and then eventually the talent that WCW lost ultimately cost them big because the WWF realized what WCW were doing, and you know, with DX and things like that, mm-hmm. did it better and killed it off at the right time which is what they should have done with the NWO. But when the NWO were hot, the stuff they were doing was just incredible. And aside from perhaps Brock Lesnar, um, who's the only other entry on the list that I can think of, the NWO crossed into the mainstream the best. Because like I said, their merch flew off the shelves. It's still one of the coolest wrestling shirts ever. (laughs) Still one of the coolest logos yeah. Their public service announcements were amazing. <laughs> but that moment at Bash at the Beach where Hulk Hogan, you know, the Hulk Hogan, turns heel, drops the leg, tells Gene Oakland to get everyone to shut up. Yeah. You know, you've got litter all over the ring. You've got Hall and Nash taking cover. Yeah. You know, you could see what was happening. And it because of the impact it had on wrestling in general. It was just incredible. It I mean, really was. And then, I mean, even the, the sort of WWE run wasn't too bad. It was, it brought in that sort of black and white entrance and all that sort of thing, and that was really good. Um, Hogan started coming down with that feather boa. <laughs> that feather boa. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh, God. Obviously, he had that match with The Rock, which was sort of an offshoot of the whole NWO thing. Yeah, that was um, the start of another Hogan face turn, wasn't it? Um, the yeah. whole. WrestleMania 18 match. It's again a fantastic match, um, but again it was the end of the NWO as we know it. Mm-hmm. They had the problem with Scott Hall being fired, Nash being <laughs> perpetually injured because he's got glass for quads. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So they didn't run into the best look in their WWE run. It wasn't the worst, you know. But again, WWF, for some bizarre reason, fell into the same hole as WCW did by adding more people to it. You know, they added X-Pac, who needs to be in every faction, apparently. Oh, yeah. Um, Shawn Michaels, for some strange reason, was in it, um, which made no sense. And just they kept adding people to it. And Mm. then eventually it was just Big Show and X-Pac. And then (laughs) eventually it kind of disbanded. But again... That debut, and for what it did to wrestling, and for how it brought wrestling kicking and screaming well, I mean. exactly into the mainstream, what it did to the fans, you know, it's one of, if not the, best debut. Yeah. Definitely the best heel turn ever. Absolutely. Without a shadow of a doubt. But, in our minds, it's not number one. It's no. not number one, people. And I can imagine people are now screaming, screaming, saying, why is this not number one? Because it should be. You know, for what it's done, it should be. And it probably, like we've said, it is the best heel turn without a shadow of a doubt. And we've talked about what he's done for wrestling, what how he brought wrestling into the mainstream. But who have we gone for number one for, Goff? Number one is Y2J, Chris Jericho. This is an abs- This is this is my favorite debut. Yeah, my favorite debut from a personal point of view. Um, it's absolutely amazing. Um, we this is one that we both chose actually uh, mm-hmm. when we brought our lists to each other. Um, give us your reasons first, Garth, and I'll kind of piggyback um, on it. Well, I mean, they built up. They built it up for quite a while um, obviously it was just the turn of the millennium or just about to be the turn of the millennium so it sort of was just perfect for the the whole countdown and the save us thing and um, and it was the fact that you, you had no idea who it was all you ever saw was this countdown clock mm. um, nobody knew who it was and then the rocks in the ring again the rock uh, being in, um, interrupted um, and then you just the lights go down. You just hear that, that vroom, vroom yeah. the, the numbers and the music kicks in, and then he's just standing there. And you just think everything was perfect. It was the perfect time for that gimmick. He was the fir- perfect person to pull it off. Absolutely. Um, and he pulls out those those words. The first thing he says is "Welcome to Raw is Jericho." It's just it's phenomenal. It's amazing. And he has a silly little hair. <laughs> the pineapple haircut. Yeah, but everything about it was just... And I mean, he he hadn't really done much in the WWE anyway. I think he'd mainly only done really sort of like dark matches. Had he, I don't think he debuted at all, had he? Had and he wrestled he, at all or did he just wrestle dark matches? Had he done some sort of heats or something like that? He might um, have done something, yeah. But this was somebody who nobody really knew anything about. They didn't really mention anything to do with the fact he came from WCW either. But everyone immediately jumped on it. Yeah. The crowd went crazy when he was out there. When his name came up, Jericho, and everybody went crazy. And you just, straight away, you just you knew there's something here. That this is this is a special sort of like talent. Yeah. And I mean, I spoke about in the NWO entry about how people were well, the, the top talent at WCW weren't thinking about how. 
the impact of the NWO was affecting the other wrestlers. And Jericho was a, a huge example of that. Yeah. Um, frustrated by you know lack of creative direction because WCW didn't care if you weren't NWO for life. So, and he's even said he, he could have sat there and took the the big paycheck. Absolutely, but to have a man as talented as Chris Jericho is, both on the mic, you know, his list of a thousand and four holds, just brilliant. <laughs> it's just yeah. Oh, it's just an that, absolutely amazing one. The fact that it goes when he did that and it goes into the the break. And they come back and he's still <laughs> it's just reeling them off. Different names for arm locks. Yeah. Um, you know, his feud with Dimalenko. Um, it's just it it proved that WCW had a star there. Um they had a had a lord and they just didn't have a clue. No, they couldn't use him. They couldn't use him. But I don't think there has been a better use of vignettes to debut someone and to build yeah. up for that long and like you said to build on that whole Y2K thing which you look back on now and you laugh at but people were genuinely genuinely oh, afraid yeah. that planes were going to fall out of the sky and things like that um, so to play on that and to debut in the way he did to interrupt of all people The Rock who was probably <laughs> you know approaching the top of his game in 99 it's a perfect um, person to, as well. Absolutely. And those two verbally jousting were absolutely amazing. You know, and you look at the the rapport that they had. Mm-hmm. You know, even later on when they were on SmackDown and they were insulting Stephanie McMahon. <laughs> which is, if you haven't seen it, YouTube, it's incredible. It really, really is. Because um, they don't hold back either. They really don't. They really don't. Um, it's... Probably not, if you compare it to the NWO debut, it's probably not as impactful, like, in the mainstream. because yeah, it's not, it's like name value with the NWO. Exactly. You know, everyone knows the NWO, but a single wrestler, you know, it was the first big name that had transferred from WCW to WWF. You know, I think the, the only real name I can think of before him was uh, Mark Marrow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who obviously and bought Sable over. Him. He did, yeah. yeah. The best thing about Mark Marrow was Sable, which tells you something. <laughs> um, but, you know, the way he debuted, the use of those vignettes, the pop of the crowd, that first opening line, which everyone knows, you know, who he debuted against, everything was perfect. I mean, his run immediately following his debut was awful. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, he wasn't wrestling properly. He wasn't wrestling his best. He was being chewed out by the rest of the locker room. And it took him a while to get, you know, to fall on his feet, so to speak. But had the look, feud with China. He did have the feud with China, yes. <laughs> he lost his first match in WWF to Road Dog. Mm-hmm. you know, which goes to show, you know, Road Dog, bless him, has never exactly been a ring general, has he? Um, <laughs> but, you know, you look at what he's what he's achieved since then even just in this last last run which for me has been one of his most entertaining um, I think the aside best thing from about... his heel turn yeah, when he, in oh, 2008 yeah. you know his sharp suit his slow speaking that, that was, was amazing that again, was, that, was that with Punk? that was with Punk and with Michaels because that was another one that really sort of because they used the whole Punk alcoholic dad and all that didn't they? yeah I mean his stick on his stick on the mic is absolutely amazing 
he's never ever been bad on the mic and, and just... he knows he knows when to stop he, he never ever has nothing ever gets old because he doesn't let it become a thing that's saturated no absolutely not he stops it and reinvents himself every single time I mean that's that's what he needed to do and he constantly every time he comes back he goes away he comes back and he's reinvented himself like he's saying the list he got a list over he got a list over he got scarves over he got the phrase stupid idiot over yeah this man can do anything he's just amazing Um, but his debut for me and Garth anyway is just unparalleled you know it's perfect and it's not like, I mean, I've heard him say it a hundred times, like, that opening, his debut, that opening segment wasn't scripted, and he talks for a good five minutes. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, they really did put him, you know, on the spot against The Rock, you know, on Raw, which at the time was, you know, just heating back up, you know, ratings were starting to fall back. Yeah. So it needed to be good and it was it was brilliant you know you look back and it is people still talk about it now you know people still talk about Jericho now you know look at the ovation he got when he transitioned into New Japan you know people know Jericho is a massive name massive name and like I say we all look back on that debut that night in Chicago (laughs) and uh, we look back on it with massively fond memories brilliant it's such a good promo as well it really is it really is but ladies and gentlemen that is our list do you agree with them probably not but if you don't please talk to us on social media talk to us in the comments have you got any ideas for me and garth to talk about on the five count you can follow us on twitter at wam podcast uk or alternatively you can follow at me at at real rob goodwin and you can follow garth where can we follow you garth i'm at drummer jackson there you go you can also like the Facebook page for more wrestling content polls and debates you can subscribe to the YouTube channel and to the podcast on iTunes don't forget to visit the website at www.wrestlingandmoreblog.weebly.com also get your votes in for the Wrestling and More End of Year Awards it's getting close to the end of the year now we want to get our awards out by the 31st of December you can vote for all the categories on Facebook and on the website But until then, it's thank you from me and from Garth, and we'll talk to you guys soon. See you later.